KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. When we talk about college these days, most of the discussion centers around the cost. There's also a lot of discussion about access. But what you don't hear a lot about, the number of people who are able to start pursuing a college degree, but for all kinds of reasons, can't get across the finish line. What can be done, what should be done to help that group of people? Because it is significant. How much of a game changer would it be overall for society? Is it time to reimagine our whole approach to college? And how would proposals made by President Biden in his American Families Plan help get us to where we probably should be? For this discussion, we caught up with Dr. Eileen Strempel. She is the inaugural dean of the Herb Alpert School of Music at UCLA. She has co-authored a book, Beyond Free College, Making Higher Education Work for 21st Century Students. This is a really fascinating conversation. Give a listen. So I want to start by kind of painting with a broad brush. What would you say overall is the state of kind of college educations, the college experience in America right now? Well, right now we're in a, a really interesting, fascinating time because we have been dealing with twin pandemics, really of uh, not just of COVID-19, but a, a social justice reckoning. And at this particular moment in time, is we're also having the onboarding of a new president, Joe Biden, who has uh, decided that he one of his cornerstone pieces that he's put out is this huge investment proposal for free college in the United States. And it's really exciting to folks like Steve Handel and I. We just finished our book, Beyond Free College, Making Higher Education Work for 21st Century Students. And we didn't know when we wrote it that, that Biden would be talking about free college, but it's proven to be fascinating for me because as we think about what exactly our nation's investments in higher education should be, the research is actually really unassailable. It's replicated. And so when we hear conversations about free college, there are, there are moments of excitement and moments of, let's just make sure that these are the right investments being put where they're going to have the biggest return, where they're going to make the biggest difference for the American population. And I do think it's a moment, just like when we returned from World War II, we weren't, we're not fighting a war, so to speak, but yet we are. You know, we've been fighting this war and this global pandemic. And so education is a fabulous way to invest in the infrastructure in our country and a way to really transform this generation as we're trying to emerge from the pandemic uh, stronger together. What have we gotten, and when I say we, I just kind of mean like, you know, people pursuing college. Have we gotten things wrong about how we approach college, like pushing everyone to a four-year degree, stuff like that? Uh, and are you starting to see kind of an understanding that maybe four years isn't for everybody and that's okay and there are different tracks for everybody that can still be successful? Oh, Matt, that's such a good question. So one of the things that we really urge is that from the outset that we really should think of redesigning higher education. We looked at models, not pie in the sky, these are, these, these are researchers who don't know what they're talking about. We only looked at models that are out there that are working effectively for students. And the truth of the matter is that there are 36 million Americans out there with some college and no degree. 36 million folks, and a significant percentage of those, about half, are also burdened with student loan debt. 
And so any policies that we are going to be formulating and investing in really needs to address the a structure that brings people out, that leaves people with college credit, but no degree. So one of the things we urge is a curricular redesign. So no matter what, Matt, if you start out, maybe you shouldn't start out with the humanities core and general education courses. You should start out with a, a certificate, you know, a set of, of contained courses that are going to give you an earning enhancement for the course of your lifetime. So maybe for instance, you have a you start out with a certificate in retail management that then leads to an associate's degree in business and maybe an undergraduate degree when you wish to continue, if you come back, that would maybe be an undergraduate degree in business that then might stack into an accounting degree for a master. So really thinking of how any having a motto of no credit left behind, of making sure whatever credits Americans earn, that, they, uh, that that investment that we as American citizens are making actually results in a credential that's going to result in higher earnings for folks. So it's not for everyone. And I think our design needs to recognize that. So even if you don't finish that four-year degree, you still got a certificate that's going to be a family-sustaining wage for you and, and yours, the people that you love. Do we make it easy enough? You mentioned like people with credits and life happens and people have to stop family, maybe you have to move, whatever it is. Do we make it easy enough to, obviously to your point, I'm guessing not, to transfer those credits that, you know, is it, you know, why are we kind of putting up these roadblocks to make things harder? We do make it very hard to transfer credits. And and part of it is um, four-year institutions having a little reticence or elitism. I only want, you know, if you're going to get a, a degree from a certain institution, you should be having those courses with us might be the, the ethos that people have rather than really by design thinking of stacking. The other real big thing that we don't necessarily recognize, and, and I didn't really until we were writing this book, is the college going student of America has completely shifted so much so that we actually had to coin a new term, neo-traditional student. I didn't like the... Sometimes you hear in the news a a post-traditional age student or a non-traditional student, and and all those sounded negative to me. And so Steve Handel and I created this term of neo-traditional, kind of representing the new normal. And the new normal, 76% of American citizens that are engaged in higher education are either low income from a historically underrepresented community, they're first gen, they are their parent students. You'd be shocked, or at least I was, to understand 27% of American students are parents first. Isn't that amazing? Over a quarter of American higher ed students are parents. And so then we start, when you start to understand that this is the new normal, right? This, these are neo-traditional students, 76%, the vast majority are coming to, through our gates. They're not the 18-year-olds that, you know, your son or mine that are getting ready to go off to college. They're not the typical student anymore. That's, that's not what the typical student looks like. And so that means our higher education system needs to transform the way it, it reaches out and creates a proactive and welcoming ecosystem to really welcome those students. But it also means, and uh, Brian Schatz is one of the senators from Hawaii who's put together a proposal kind of, you know, tweaking what Biden has on the table, really talking about debt-free college. So not just covering tuition, but books, room, and board, 
I would go even one step further, knowing that 27% of the students that are going to college are parents and say it should include childcare too. And so by the end of the book, we actually talk about the need for a, a new GI bill for American edu- higher education at this point, because it's so transformative. Higher education for all of the um, questions about, is it worth it? It is. The lifetime earnings, the the greater job prospects, the greater health benefits, you pay more taxes, you need less, fewer social services, your children are much more likely to go to college. I mean, those are the, the benefits are so enormous, they're even hard to capture. But right now, if we're just talking about free college, we're not actually talking about all the other pieces that I just mentioned that make it possible to complete your degree. And we need to focus on completion. It's not access. Matt, you know, your, your child and my child can pretty much walk down the street and go into any community college they want. 31 states already have free college initiatives. So it's, it's not as big of a leap as people might think. But it's not the free college. It's not the tuition that is the big barrier. It's all these other life supports. And we did it before. We did it with the GI Bill. And so, you know, I understand people are skeptical. They're thinking, oh, that's a lot of money. And yes, it's true. The upfront costs are a lot higher, but the payoff is huge. And so there's a program at, um, in, at, at called ASAP uh, that's in CUNY. And it's been replicated across various states that supplies all of these life supports. And the return on the dollar has been investigated repeatedly. And it's basically about five to one. That means if we pay for all these wraparound supports to make sure that a parent student has childcare, can have housing, can have food, that they're twice as likely to complete their degree. And so if we focus on completion, the cost per degree as our metric of success, that's where we're really going to start to move the dial. Right now we're spending a lot of money, but we're not thinking about how much it costs to actually produce that degree. Again, think about those 36 million Americans floating out there um, with, with all those credits and no degree. We have to focus on completion. And if we're razor focused on completion, then we can actually start to understand what works and that those life supports really are the things that, that move the dial twice as likely. That's huge. And so, you know, we, we did it before. The return is enormous. And then we actually get what we want. I mean, what business doesn't actually count up the calculate the cost for the product they want at the end of the day? And so we really need to focus on the cost per degree completed. And then even with those in, increased life supports, those costs, because the degree completion is twice as high, the cost per degree is actually lower. The cost per degree is lower. And that's what we need to focus on here. And that's what I would urge Biden and all Americans to really focus on. It's not access. You can go to a community college. They, they take everyone. <laughs> you know, They're open access. That's the beauty of community colleges. That's not what we need to focus on here, folks. It's degree completion. How does what is being proposed by the Biden administration is being talked about in circles in D.C.? How does it track with what you're saying? I know you've, you've talked about some overlap, yeah. but, you know, where, ex- how, how much are there, you know, or do they work together? The most exciting part is the $62 billion that is part of the proposal that is 
focused on improving graduation. The details aren't there yet. So that's that's the part that's most exciting because for for my co-author and I to have this investment of 109 billion over the next 10 years, that's exciting. But we wanna make sure that it's not just making community college free. We argue that doesn't go far enough, that we have to, we have to provide these life wraparound supports. We've done it before as a country people. And what happened after World War II? That was the making of the greatest generation. That was the generation that were able to buy houses, that volunteered the most, that really moved the American economy. So when we think about that, that's when we—that's the part that excites me, right? It's it, because right now our conversation around college is is turned so much internal. It, it's a personal good, you know. It's something I want for my kid, you want for your kid, but actually we need to open that conversation up. So we're really thinking about higher education as a public good. It makes our society better, safer, healthier, more just, more equitable. It's really a way to to really make this moment as we emerge from the pandemic, one that's truly transformative and defines us in a positive way. To the point of student loan debt, and I talked with you a little bit before we started, how good or bad a job have we done of being realistic to this point with students? And when I say that, I mean, you know, students that want a job that makes $45,000 a year and they go to school and take $100,000 in student loan debt to get to the degree to do that job. It seems to me we have a lot of disconnect where people don't want to be the one to rain on people's parade and say, hey, it's great you want to do that, (laughs) but you need to understand that half your paycheck's going to be the student loan and maybe there's a better way. Have we failed overall in kind of injecting like a little bit of the real world of how it's going to work into the the college experience and the college choice? I think we have failed as a country because we have divested in public higher education. It, um, you know, it used to be so much more affordable for families. And now, over the last 20 years, the divestment in public higher education, it's truly, it's, it's eviscerated the middle class. And so this really is a, a moment when this type of investment that Biden is suggesting can really help move the dial back in a really significant and much needed way. Because, yes, um, there should be curricular redesign. None of those Americans should be out there with those college credits and no degree. And if there's a more affordable way to stack those credentials going from a community college to a four-year degree to save money, especially for, for professions that maybe aren't going to earn the greatest wage, but are going to give someone a, a real sense that they're giving back, um, whether that's in public service, um, those, there are programs out there, but they're not working well. The percentage of loans that are forgiven for public service is shockingly low. And I'm very optimistic that with the Biden administration and Cardova as our new education secretary, that that will change um, because it should be possible for someone to become a public K through 12 teacher or a social worker to really be part of America's infrastructure and educating and keeping our populace healthy and safe in a way that their loans are forgiven. That should be, we should be investing in that way. And it should be something that works for Americans. How much, and we've talked about, you know, what we need from the government. And we talk a little bit about the conversations to have with the kids. How much Mm -hmm. do we need 
the colleges to give a little to the point of making it easier to transfer credits. You know, a, a lot of these things, why does it cost $75,000 to go to College X to, you know, I is there some introspection needed from the the colleges and universities themselves to get us where we need to be? I love that question. Yes. Colleges, one of the, here's one of the things that would be so transformative is there's this kind of wonky term, prior learning assessment. What does that really mean? It means um, making sure that American adults are awarded academic credit for their work-based learning. That's something a lot of colleges do for military credit. And that's its actual rich history is after World War II, our country tried to find a way of reaping the benefits of its investments in servicemen and women and making sure that they were put onto their degree path in an accelerated fashion. Same thing here. Most institutions need to do a little belly searching. So for your kid or my kid, when they go to college, we want them to get an internship. And we, as we see it as the way of bridging college and career. All right, you get some work-based experience, you figure out what you want to do. Maybe you have a one internship that doesn't work out that well, and you figure out what you don't want to do. Institutions, we've figured out how to award academic credit for those internships, right? For our traditional students. Here's the belly searching. Our neo-traditional students, the ones that are out there working, how do we award academic credit for their work-based learning, for what they're bringing to the table? And institutions that do that really robustly, if you look at College Unbound, for instance, have huge, huge benefits. In general, again, this is longitudinally replicated. If you award prior learning credit, students are two and a half times as likely to graduate two and a half times. And so colleges, you know, as skeptical as they might be, oh, I don't want to give credit for someone who's been working at Amazon or Google. I can't find a way to do that. Well, I would, I would urge those institutions to think again. If you found a way to do it for the traditional student in a rigorous way that you feel comfortable with and awarding academic credit for those internships, we have to find a way to be equitable and to make sure that we're offering credit for work-based learning that Americans are bringing to the table. It assures their degree success. Um, and actually, it's good for the colleges because those students persist, because they graduate, those institutions earn more tuition dollars. So it, it actually does benefit them despite the skepticism. So I, I do think that there are there's a lot of low-hanging fruit. It wouldn't cost much. You already do it for traditional students. Why wouldn't you do it for neo-traditional students? Those kinds of things we really uncovered that you know, wouldn't be that hard, wouldn't be that expensive, and the return is great, especially if you keep that laser focus on degree completion. And overall, are you optimistic? I think I know the answer to this just from the last 20 minutes of our conversation, but are you optimistic that we're going to get this right for the most part going forward? I think it's like most things. Some things you get right, some things you don't. I mean, that's that's a kind of American democracy at work in a certain sense. Um, you know, what I do hope in this moment of, of conversation about a substantive investment in higher education, that people actually look at the research. Um, to just say free college doesn't really understand what makes the degree completion possible. It also leaves money on the table, right? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a college professor. I'm married to a college professor. I can afford to send my kid to community college. That, but that money that I could be paying, 
that could be money to pay for someone else's childcare. So there needs to be a little bit more of the of the communal approach um, that we're all taking. It needs to be nuanced. It can't be free college for everyone, or it could be, but you're, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. There are wiser ways of investing that are going to really transform society. And I, I think that's where our focus needs to be. You know, I think we've all seen in this global pandemic time that if, if someone else is homeless and not vaccinated, that's a public health risk for all of us. You know, and we really start to see the importance of, of having good national health care available to people. We really start to understand that our societies are deeply linked and they should be probably even more so. So it's, it's an exciting moment. Do I think we'll get it all right at the very beginning? No. Do I hope that we choose to use education as the way of moving the dial on systemic intergenerational poverty at scale? Gosh, yes, I do. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.